0: Good morning. May it please the court. My name is Kate Baxtercroft. I'm an attorney at Lockridge Grindle Nowen, appearing today as a special assistant public defender on behalf of appellant Randy Thompson. Mr. Thompson's conviction on one count of first-degree driving while intoxicated should be reversed because Mr. Thompson was unlawfully arrested by a Red Lake tribal officer who was not a peace officer eligible to arrest under the Minnesota DWI statutory scheme. Fundamentally, This case is a stipulated facts proceeding, appealed pursuant to rule 2601, subdivision four, because the parties agreed that the court's ruling on a specified pretrial issue is dispositive of the case.
1: Counsel, within the boundaries of the Red Lake Reservation, do tribal law enforcement have the ability
0: to arrest and detain? Um, So they have the ability to arrest and detain members of the Red Lake Band, and they have the ability to investigate, but not arrest uh, non-members of the band. And what's your legal authority for that? Um, so, in in Minnesota, I, I think there are, there are a couple of different authorities. So here, first of all, there's a statutory concern, which is that even if the the band has the ability to uh, has the ability to arrest members for the violation of the DWI statutory scheme. Peace officers cannot do so without authorization from the from 626-93. Um, and since that is missing here, that's the case. Then in general, um, There is no, in general, tribes cannot arrest people for non-members for violations of state law unless there's some concurrent jurisdiction that's been granted. That's been granted to all but three tribes under Public Law 280. The Red Lake Band is an exception to that. Um, That means that there is no concurrent state arrest for concurrent for state crimes within the bounds of the Red Lake Nation.
2: Can I just ask a practical question? Yep. What should the officer have done when he saw someone who was obviously intoxicated on the, on, the, on the reservation, should you just let him get back in his car?
0: No. So Red Lake officers have the authority to investigate non-members on two fronts. First, to determine whether they're tribal members. Um, and second that once a person is determined not to be a member, they can investigate for the purpose of determining whether expulsion is warranted. Red Lake officers can also call it federal investigators in lieu of an expulsion determination. So the officer here had a number of options, some of which are the options that were exercised for Mr. Thompson's brother, which is the reason why he was called to Red Lake to begin with, right? So, there are lots of ways to expel someone without an arrest, uh, and Red Lake does it, which is to say there's administrative determinations, there are rules that can be put in place, they can tell someone to leave, they can call someone, they can have someone come pick them up, which is what the, the Red Lake officers did for VT, which was to call Mr. Thompson to come get him, and, 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 or they can call federal investigators if they'd like to effect an arrest. Um, And the Red Lake Nation has a banishment code on the front page of their website that's at the moment. I want to make sure I'm clear about your statutory
3: argument. So is your argument that because the Red Lake Tribal Officer or Red Lake does not have any type of cooperative agreement with Beltrami County, that under 626.93, they have no authority to to make an arrest is that the gist of it or yes so
0: um, in state versus hester this court determined that in order for a tribal officer to be considered a peace officer under the dwi statutory scheme that the tribe needed to meet the requirements of the the referenced statutory scheme that relates to how Tribal officers are considered county or municipal peace officers under the statute um, in Hester, the lower Sioux was six twenty six ninety There are three other statutes that mirror that statute and six twenty six ninety three is kind of the catch all statute that says all the that says all federally recognized Indian tribes of which Red Lake is one that don't fall under that statute have to meet those requirements
3: I know and, and help me with this i don't have in in chapter 626, those other provisions, and I think it's in 93 as well, the very last provision talks about the fact that it does not restrict the tribe's authority under federal law. And what do you think that means? Because to me, that at least arguably means it does not restrict or undercut a tribe's authority under DURO and that line of cases to detain and remove that, you know, those cases talk about tribes having an inherent authority to to detain and remove those who are um, um, undesirable, or I forget the language that's used, or in here, in this instance, violating violating the law.
0: I think that it is accurate to say that the six twenty six ninety three does not restrict. It does not restrict inherent sovereign rights under federal law but if that's the case then the officer wouldn't be arresting someone under Minnesota law so the so the red lake officer in this situation explicitly investigated and arrested Mr. Thompson not only under under tribal codes and under Minnesota state law and does
3: and it, in way. does acting it matter that though way, that
0: it it does seem clear at least
3: my understanding of the record that Mr. Officer Bendell had no intent, it appears, to actually prosecute uh, Mr. Thompson for the DWI. I mean, this whole exchange that occurs here, at least from what we know from the two police reports, was to detain and uh, hold Mr. Thompson until he could be delivered to the Beltrami County Sheriff so that Beltrami County could prosecute the DWI. Because that's, I think, to me, that's what's at issue in Hester is that the question was whether he had authority to arrest Mr. Hester and and prosecute and have the state prosecute the, D, the the D.W.I. through the implied consent procedure.
0: Uh, I agree with you that Hester involved similar circumstances insofar as um, the Lower Sioux officer there. Uh, did, First of all, in that situation, the arrest did not take place until they reached Beltrami County. And that's the way that the record reads in Hester. So um, here the arrest took place earlier, which which is is our, our, our basis for the claim that once that arrest takes place, everything after it and everything surrounding it has to be suppressed. Um, but it is also the case that um, the record isn't clear on what officer bendel intended that's not really part of the record and it's never been an argument advanced by the state previous to this set of briefing it was not part of the record and and if anything the record i mean the record didn't contain any of these discussions because there was no evidentiary hearing and the district court order does not is not about this um so we don't know officer bendel's intentions on the subject but we do know that that he arrested mr thompson first and asked questions later and that's i think that's the distinction is is that the federal case law talks about the ability to detain or the ability to investigate for purposes of for determining expulsion and related to a right of ingress and egress and to determine who is included or excluded from a reservation. That's not what was happening here. For the entirety of Officer Bendell's discussion, the purpose was to arrest Mr. Thompson for violations of Minnesota state law. Well,
4: counsel, let's say that this had gone down a bit differently and Officer Bendell had said, "Uh, you're driving drunk. I'm, I'm hereby expelling you from the Red Lake Nation. Mm -hmm. and get in my car i'm driving you to the border i'm turning you over to the beltrami county sheriff if there was an announced intention to expel would that um, still be an unlawful arrest
0: so the the determination of whether something constitutes an arrest is a totality of the circumstances test Here, I think it would depend on whether it was accompanied by the other factors that lead to a conclusion that there was an arrest here. So, for example, the reading of a Miranda warning, the the handcuffing him in the back of the squad car immediately unrelated to an investigation. Um, I don't know that there are magic words where if you say, I'm expelling you, that's the answer. But I do think that and this court has never has never made a formal finding on what constitutes an expulsion by the red lake nation um, in the context of minnesota criminal violations counsel but-
3: how, how is what you're talking about any different than what happened in terry because the i think terry's from mm-hmm. washington state of Washington. i can't remember now but in terry the officer the tribal officer handcuffs him mm-hmm. Uh, tells him that um, I think tells him that he's under arrest uh, puts him in the squad car they hold him overnight because they can't uh, there's some concern about driving whatever the 80 miles is uh, South Dakota I think it's South Dakota to the uh, South Dakota border Mm -hmm. Um, and yet the court there says as a matter of the tribe's inherent authority whether you call it arrest detain I mean whatever you call it, the tribes have a right to, to hold that individual when they're violating the law as Mr. Terry was and, um, and remove him. And so it is a totality of the circumstances, but the circumstances here seem to me to be very much on par with, with Terry
0: in that line of cases. So Terry is an Eighth Circuit case, and it, and it revolves around um, a decision to detain someone analyzed under federal law and i think the difference here is that minnesota is that minnesota state law says that an arrest takes place like they both both authorities use a totality of the circumstances test. But Minnesota Supreme Court authority in circumstances similar to what happened to Mr. Thompson, I I think clearly conclude that there's an arrest in a way that may not be consistent with Terry, but that is analyzed under federal law rather than state law. So one answer is that I don't know whether Terry would have been appropriate if decided under Minnesota State Constitutional Authority. The second here is that the state here is stipulating that Mr. Thompson was arrested. They, they stipulated that to the district court. This is a stipulated facts proceeding. And, and so I think for purposes of this... Let's, let's say that's true. Why does it matter
3: that he was arrested?
0: When because you, when you're
3: looking at the totality of the circumstances. And if you're looking at Terry mm-hmm. and that, and Duo and that, that line of cases, it,
0: it does, that doesn't seem to be the, the dispositive fact. So I think the difference is that when you analyze the total, well, first of all, under the totality of the circumstances, the parties have agreed that an arrest took place here. And if an arrest took place under Minnesota state authority, once an arrest takes place, and, and a reasonable person believes that they are under arrest, then, then, ever, then that is a constitutional infirmity if, if, if the officer wasn't authorized to arrest him. So once that constitutional concern takes place, everything else that happens afterwards or any other way that the Red Lake officers could have investigated are irrelevant because, because it started from a place that was illegal to begin with.
4: Counsel, normally an arrest is unlawful and produces evidence that's the fruit of a poisonous Mm -hmm. tree when it is the state that is doing the arresting. In this case, your argument is it's not the state doing the arresting. This this law enforcement official wasn't a licensed peace officer. Mm -hmm. Can you give me the name of a case where someone unauthorized to arrest did so and then the evidence was the fruit of the poisonous tree?
0: So, at the court of appeals, there, or at the court of appeals, there was a discussion about citizens' arrest cases, and those are probably the most analogous, where someone who is not authorized to arrest affects an arrest, and it's constitutionally infirm. And in that situation. And I don't remember the names of them off the top of my head. But But those are cases in which when someone purports to – when an officer purports to act under the color of state law and to do so with the authority of the state, then then their actions are held to state constitutional standards and a criminal defendant is Let's entitled to have assume
4: that it's not even someone who's pretending to do a citizen's arrest. Just – it's – it has no authority whatsoever. It doesn't follow the requirements of a citizen arrest under six twenty nine point three seven and three eight. Just um, grabs, some, grabs the wrongdoer and stuffs him in a car and drives him to the police station. Then, will 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 the charge be? Will will any evidence be suppressed because a private citizen acting unlawfully delivered the wrongdoer to the police station?
0: I don't know whether that would be considered an arrest, except i do I, I do disagree with you that, those, that that is how the citizens' arrest cases are analyzed. It, they do involve situations where someone is just purporting to act however they feel like it, or often officers in the wrong jurisdiction, which is more analogous here because it's not that mr it's not that uh, officer Bendel wasn't an officer at all it's just that he's not an officer in the right jurisdiction. Um, but I think in that circumstance evaluating the totality of the circumstances, it would be relevant whether that person who stuffed someone in a car was purporting to act under the color of Minnesota state law and at the direction and to arrest someone for the violation of Minnesota state law, which is what happened here.
2: Has has Mr. Thompson at any stage in these proceedings challenged the notion that the state can actually prosecute non Members who are driving drunk on Red Lake—that that's in the state's jurisdiction to prosecute.
0: Um, no, that has not been part of the. That has not been part of the record or the proceedings up and to this point. Yeah, he, he did not make that argument at the district court.
1: So just so I make sure that I understand your argument, is it fair to say that if there were, let's assume there were no uh, memorandums of understanding or agreements,
0: mm-hmm. and a
1: Cass County officer arrested. An individual who is within Beltrami County's jurisdiction—is that the relationship that you're making it a, a likening to here?
0: Yes. And um, so, well,
1: and so under those circumstances, if there was, for, if there was no um, agreement that Cass County could act in Beltrami County, you're saying that that would be an unlawful arrest.
0: it would depend you'd have to know more about the circumstances to that for that to be the case um but in the court of appeals briefing there was a discussion of of the citizens arrest notion and that is that is generally the situation in which those cases come up as in officers from one jurisdiction like Cass County are off duty or they're in another place and they don't have an agreement with the place that they went into and then the court analyzes um a series of, of situations to determine whether it's an appropriate citizen's arrest, or and and in those circumstances, the the criminal defendant is entitled to protections under the Constitution for what it is that happened to them. So, um, and and the key ones are: Were you acting under the color of state law? Did you purport to be acting as an officer who had an, who had authority to arrest people under the statute that you're arresting under? And was were there other concerns that we should consider, and that means that here, when Red Lake is purporting to act as a Minnesota state office, purporting to act as a Minnesota state officer and to arrest people under Minnesota state law, and where there is a Minnesota statute that says how it is that the Red Lake officers go about. Well, under that
1: so. analysis, you are assuming that Minnesota state criminal law does not apply on the Red Lake Reservation under these circumstances.
0: Yeah, Minnesota state law does not apply on the Red Lake Reservation to non-members at all, except for insofar as it can be incorporated into federal law.
2: Is that correct? What? So your position is that—I thought you just told me that you're not making an argument that Minnesota didn't have the right to prosecute this DWI. So public.
0: So we are not making an argument about the space of the reservation, like the physical space of the reservation. But Public Law 280 says, which it, for which the Red Lake Reservation is one of three reservations in the country that does not subscribe to, says that there, as a result of that, there is no concurrent state jurisdiction what for about, crimes. What about
2: the cases where a non-member commits a crime against another non-member? Mm-hmm. That is subject role? to state jurisdiction.
0: Uh, yes. So, so that's under United States versus McBrady, which is an 1882 Supreme Court case. A non-tribal member charged with committing crimes against other non-members in Indian country is subject to prosecution under state law. But that uh, is that's subject that only applies if a if the previous arrest wasn't illegal. So they can't be. So our argument is that because he was arrested. Un, under illegal circumstances, then you can't prosecute them at all. But public law 280 means that, that McBratney is relatively irrelevant for purposes of Red Lake because there is no state law prosecution, which means that it would be prosecuted under federal law, under the Assimilative Crimes Act.
2: So your argument is that the state has no authority for any criminal actions on Red Lake?
0: My, versus uh, so my non-member. argument is that officers in Red Lake have no authority to arrest non-members for of I get that point, but you made a second crime.
2: point after that, which it seems like you made two points. One, there's, they don't have the authority to arrest, and secondly, McBratney really doesn't apply anymore
0: because to of— Red Lake, no. Because of Public Law 280. It is, it is, it is modified by statute, which says that— it, so I there, there, may be federal. Ap- I
2: thought 280 did not apply to Red Lake. So—
0: Okay so Mcbrady is a jurisdictional rule that sets a constitutional minimum for how it is that you go about prosecuting these crimes right but in but in addition to meeting that jurisdictional requirement you also have to have a stat a statute that somebody violated in order to prosecute them for violation of that statute and so so even though so so McBrandy still applies it just doesn't matter because there isn't a statute that you can prosecute someone for violating
2: what about Minnesota's DWI law
0: so so the Minnesota DWI laws i think i think that's where where the circle ends which is which is under hester prosecution under uh, the Minnesota's DWI statutory scheme does not explicitly authorize tribal officers to arrest anyone at all. And the only way that this court has determined that tribal officers have authority to arrest someone for violation of the DWI statutory scheme is by meeting the requirements of Minnesota Statutes 62690 to 62693. And 62693 explicitly includes all, uh, all federally recognized Indian tribes as defined in section 450b, I think. and, And Red Lake is defined within that statute. So they would fall under that statute and says, here are the three requirements you need to make in order for your officers to be considered licensed peace officers who can arrest people for violation of the statutory scheme. So here they... They haven't met that requirement because there is no cooperative agreement, and there is nothing in the record that says that there is a cooperative agreement, which means they can't meet subdivision four of the statute.
2: Could there be a cooperative agreement with Red Lake because they're not subject to public law 280?
0: Well... Red Lake made the decision not to be subject to Public Law 280. They made that decision in 1953. That decision is revocable. Several other federally recognized Indian tribes have changed their minds over the years. It's the reason there are only three left. So it is true. But that, that doesn't it may answer.
1: Be, that doesn't answer the question as to whether Red Lake could be a participant to a cooperative agreement.
0: Because yes, they, they can they, be a participant
1: to a cooperative agreement with Beltrami County. Yes, but if the they record chose doesn't. To. The record doesn't tell us. If that if that exists as it relates to peace officers,
0: the record lacks any evidence that there is a cooperative agreement between the two parties. Um, it's it's my understanding that factually there is not, but but that's not in the record. Um, on, I think it was the state's burden to. Meet the once we moved. Once Mr. Thompson moved to suppress the evidence of his arrest on these grounds, this is the argument he made to the district court. The state was obligated to show all of the evidence mm-hmm. that it had that the arrest was valid, and it seems that your argument so. rises
1: and falls on the definition, as the, the definition that you are proposing of a peace officer. Am I right about that?
0: Yes.
3: Yeah, counsel, maybe I'm, I'm going. I want to go back to my point earlier that well, when I look at, the, at Mr. Officer Bendell's report the incident report says under short description that what he was doing was arresting him for removal of an intoxicated male um, and the summary is removal of an intoxicated male and then that, that the car is going to be towed and then he goes on to describe what he did which is in the in, during the arrest or detainment he has him do take a PBI and all of that but the report and his description at least as as I read it suggests that it wasn't about prosecution for the DWI yes he had him do the PBI and and uh, the other um, physical uh, examinations but this was about removal of an intoxicated male it was for he was shipping him off to, to Beltrami County for the actual prosecution. In that sense, isn't it different than Hester,
0: I guess, is what I'm getting at. Well, no, and so far as I, I, I think it, that's exactly what happened in Hester. So it uh, is that there was, if anything, Hester was more strongly removal than it was an arrest because the record in Hester indicates that, it indicates that, that Mr. Hester wasn't arrested until he got to, I can't remember the name of the county, but until he got to the county uh, detention center. And here, I, I mean, I do think it is the case here that but for the fact that that the Red Lake officer, that Officer Bendel arrested Mr. Thompson, the removal, they, they are authorized to remove people off of the reservation and and, and the combination kind of of having the car towed uh, so that he can't drive it um, and then figuring out whether someone needs to come get him or asking him if he wants to ride somewhere is, is, is the proper mechanism. Does it Thank matter
3: you. that Mr. that Officer Bendell at least alternatively discusses uh, what he did as an arrest, that other times he talks about it as detaining I mean, in the report itself, at some point, he also talks about that he detained him.
0: Um, no, for two reasons. One, because the state stipulated that it was an arrest um, at the district court. And two, because the totality of the circumstances suggest an arrest, as in, you don't re- a Miranda warning and handcuffing someone in the back of the car combined constitute an arrest under the case law. Thank you, counsel. You have 10 minutes for rebuttal. Mr.
1: Hansen.
5: Justices, counsel, may it please the court. Good morning. My name is David Hanson. I'm the Beltrami County Attorney representing the state of Minnesota here today. Um, I had some prepared arguments, but I'm going to go straight to Justice Thiessen's comment at the beginning of what should Officer Bendel have done? And um, it really opens a kind of Pandora's box here. If you rule in favor of the appellant, what does that mean? Um, That means there's a place in Minnesota where non-Indians can go drive drunk at will without any
6: repercussion of the law. What about the argument of opposing counsel that um, what makes this case different and leads to the result that uh, opposing counsel suggests prevails here is the fact that the state stipulated to the fact that this was an arrest? Thank you. Um, it is for the seven of you to decide if this is arrest or detention
5: or what not. Again, I think for the sake of argument at both district and appellate level, we did stipulate to that. Um, that is a question of law whether this was an arrest or not. If you look at U.S. v. Terry, um, in that case, which is very factually similar, at least at the initial part of the investigatory process, um, Sergeant Ten figures testifies that he arrested um, the defendant. The Eighth Circuit. Doesn't care. They say the Eighth Circuit uses the vernacular detention in their ruling, but you know whether it's an arrest or a detention doesn't matter for the purposes of the expulsion argument, uh, because it is the tribe's right to expel, expel, and how they do so, whether they do it, whether they effectuate it through an arrest or a detention or whatnot, that doesn't matter. And again, the Eighth Circuit calls uh, Terry's stop. Um, handcuffing Miranda you know that whole investigation plus the overnight detention in a tribal jail they're calling that a detention versus here I think uh, officer Bendel had him to the Beltrami County line within an hour and 45 minutes
3: counsel what's your um, argument though to to Hester and the the statutory argument that uh, Opposing counsel is making. I think her point is that Hester drives this because um, if the tribal officer did not have the um, authority under six twenty six point nine three by virtue of some sort of uh, cooperative agreement, that you can't make an arrest.
5: And, and just to clear things up: there is no cooperative agreement that I, I can. Right. I can. And that's her point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it it goes to the heart of. What did the state of Minnesota do wrong here? I'm representing the state of Minnesota. We're the respondent. Officer Bendel is an agent of Red Lake. He is not a state actor, okay? He is a uniformed officer, but he is a uniformed officer of a sovereign tribe. I, I, as the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of Beltrami County, have the authority to direct Deputy Roberts on what he can do, I can train him, I can tell him how to conduct his business. I have no authority over Officer Bendel, only the Red Lake Sovereign has that authority. And so, including the Minnesota legislature to legislate policy and requirements for licensure. Okay, so um, there is no both legislative authority and or executive authority over Officer Bendel. It goes back to Justice Teason's concern of, you know, what did he do wrong? What did, how, where's the authority that Minnesota had to direct Officer Bendel to do any behavior? And that's the distinction between Hester, to get back to Hester, is, again, there's two big distinctions with Hester. The first is, that's an implied consent violation. Um, it was an, being a licensed peace officer was an element of the crime of um, test refusal versus this is a DWI um, Stop investigation again, arrest versus detention, however, you have it. Um, that um, being a peace officer isn't an element of a DWI. Now, whether there was an um, arrest or detention, again, that is missing the point for Red Lake's right to, you know, patrol their right to control their own territory right to
1: sounds almost as though you're making a a good faith exception sort of argument that there's no reason to exclude evidence here because the police didn't do anything wrong
5: the state of Minnesota did not do anything wrong correct
1: yeah
4: counsel uh, in your brief you cite red lake code 225.01 subdivision 1 that says upon arrest for any offense by a non-indian that would be criminal if committed by an Indian any person found in violation of tribal law etc the officer shall issue a notice of exclusion for reservation lands um, did the officer issue a notice of exclusion here i do not know that that that
5: is a again that that's not part of the record so
4: there's nothing in the off, officer bendel's report that indicates he did that is
5: there C- correct other than um i mean i don't know what the form of that notice would look like and so i guess from the perspective of looking at his report and telling him that he's uh, now bringing him to the, uh, the, the reservation line to hand him to Deputy Roberts, I guess you could report that to be that notice. Yes. Well,
4: Officer Bendel arrested Mr. Thompson, did he not? Again, I think for
5: the sake of argument's purposes...
4: I'm not asking you for sake of argument, I'm asking you as a matter of law, and you're the chief prosecutor in Beltrami County, doesn't this really look like an arrest? And that's what I said at the Court of Appeals, yes. Yeah, so it was an arrest. Yeah. Somebody sitting in a squad car with handcuffs in their behind their back in a locked door of the squad car, you'd think I'd been arrested, wouldn't you? I do. Okay. So, um, but your argument is it wasn't the state doing the arresting,
5: so therefore the exclusionary rule should not apply? It, it, it's twofold. Th- that is one part. But then also... Um, Again, back to Terry's, the um, Eighth Circuit's analysis, in Terry, where they don't call behavior that is, you know, you know, includes an overnight stay in a jail, an arrest. Um, they're calling that a detention, that it is irrelevant whether it's an arrest or a detention, because it's Red Lake's right to expel anyone they want for any behavior they want, however they do so. And, and the state of Minnesota, this court, we don't have jurisdiction to determine how Red Lake interprets their own laws and so and, and their own rights. Um, it, there might be um, perhaps the federal courts could, but I don't think it would be appropriate for this court to say to Red Lake, you know, you cannot arrest or detain uh, you can't exercise your rights of expulsion.
6: Well, you know, this this is an interesting question because it, it's not raised in this case. Might have been raised in it might have might have been raised in Terry, although it ultimately wasn't um, but uh, if Red Lake were to choose to detain someone for an extended period of time and doesn't turn them over, uh, you then have or doesn't turn them over immediately, then you have other issues uh, that you that yes, civil have. civil rights violations. Right.
5: And, and then, and then the, I think the appropriate remedy would be to sue the band in, travel, in uh, federal courts.
1: Council, so would you agree that in this instance, it was the state of Minnesota pursuing um, a prosecution of an individual who had committed a crime on the Red Lake Reservation, but pursuant to state law? Because it is a non-Indian who has committed a crime on the reservation, correct?
5: Correct. And, and that goes back to holt and we, we have the authority to prosecute non-members for either victimless crimes or uh, crimes where the victim is also another non-member, and actually, interestingly, Holtusian, which is an you know, older case that this this court has decided, uh, I didn't dive into that record. But you know, we're presuming that Red Lake officers were involved in in that investigation because you know, it happened on the reservation. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an issue before the court at the time whether the um, Red Lake law enforcement had the authority to do so, obviously. One thing I'd like to point out is f- from the state's perspective, the, the road map is pretty clear here. Uh, Terry sets the stage for a, um, the decision for you to follow. It has been adopted by two of your counterparts, Supreme Courts, both in Wyoming and Washington. Um, I think the Supreme Court in, Wa- in uh, Wyoming, Supreme Court in Collier, uh, really succinctly states the issue. Uh, did the detention of the appellant, by the tribal officer prior to the arrest make the underlying arrest unlawful as a matter of law. And their ruling is that, no, it was appropriate action to detain for formal arrest later by the state officer. And I think that goes to Justice you know, concern of is this an arrest or a detention? Um, there's clearly an arrest that happens. You know, the, you know, now our position is that it's Deputy Roberts that makes the formal arrest. Officer Bendel detains him and delivers him to Deputy Roberts for that formal arrest. However, even if you want to call what Officer Bendel did a formal arrest, it is not in the state of Minnesota that did that. We have no authority to, um, I, I, you know, if, 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 if Deputy Roberts makes an illegal arrest, we can reprimand him, we can train him, we can, we can tell the other officers not to do that. We have no authority with the Red Lake uh, Tribal Police to do that, other than I can call up and politely ask. Um, so A, the state of Minnesota didn't do anything wrong here in Officer Bendel's behavior. Deputy Roberts learns of a potential DWI, he investigates it, he drives up the line, he gathers information you know, from Officer Bendel, just like if he were to gather information from a concerned citizen, just like if he were to gather information from a... Um, off-duty North Dakota cop or an off-duty Cass County uh, deputy. He gathers that information, and he makes his determination of probable cause based on the information he's gathered from Officer Bendel, and also some um, personal observations that he observed of uh, Mr. Thompson, and then he formally arrests him and brings him to the Beltrami County and, Jail.
2: And your understanding is no one is contesting the, the probable cause, except no. in this case at all. It's just the fact of arrest that's at issue. Cor- um correct there's yeah. been no argument that Mofs, that the deputy didn't have probable cause here no
5: I'll re-emphasize this because I'm just going through my notes of the questions you asked, appellant, um, Justice McCaig, um posited the hypothetical of the Cass County deputy. I, I think that's very different than this scenario because the Cass County deputy is a state actor, whether he's on duty or off duty, or whether he's in his jurisdiction or in Beltrami County, he's still a state actor, um, and um, and subject to you know Minnesota statutory authority and subject to um, just the. Um, the general understanding of, of what a state, a state actor is. Again, that distinction is, is very different than Officer Bendel, who is a um, non-state actor in this scenario. Um, and I'd also like to point out the fact that, you know, it is Mr. Thompson who goes on to the reservation. It, it, if I go to Canada, I subject myself to the laws of Canada and to the authorities of Canada. If I go to North Dakota, I subject myself to the laws and authority of North Dakota. If I go on to the Red Lake Indian Reservation, I subject myself to the laws and authorities of Red Lake, how they, as a sovereign, deem fit to enforce them. And part of their right as a sovereign is that expulsion. And, they, um, and Coming from the Duro um, and versus Reina on the street versus A1 contractors, progeny of cases, it is a a right that uh, Red Lake has and they have exercised it Uh, in this case. They have um, done everything proper to get a suspected non-member DWI defendant off the reservation to local Beltrami County authorities for prosecution. And I think with that, unless there's any other questions, I, I think you get the gist of my argument.
1: Thank you, Council.
5: All right, thank you.
1: Ms. Baxter, you have uh, 10 minutes. Council, what if it was a um, Leech Lake Reservation tribal police officer who is? Um, Leech Lake being subject to Public Law 280, does that change um, your analysis at all?
0: Yes, it does. So if if this occurred on the Leech Lake reservation, um, then it would be subject to the exact same analysis as that in Hester because Leech Lake falls under one of the, the same statutory schemes. And so the question would be the same. Did, did the officer meet the requirements of that statute? Did they have the same training as Minnesota state officers, which is roughly subdivision two, or was one of the subdivisions? Did they have the proper amount of liability insurance and did they have an enforced cooperative agreement with the state of Minnesota? And, um, if they met those three requirements, then yes, that arrest would be valid. Counsel, are we bound by the state's
3: concession that this is an arrest, or should we still look at the totality of circumstances? Because here's what I'm thinking. Um, We can tell from the officer's report that that, uh, Mr. Thompson, Thompson?
0: (laughs) Okay, sorry. Um, We can tell that he was yelling, he, we know he was drunk. Um, we know that the ride to
3: uh, the, the Beltrami County line is about 30 to 40 minutes from the Red Lake Detention Center. Is it so unreasonable when you're putting a person in the backseat of a squad car to put handcuffs on him in that situation?
0: Um, so to answer your first so question- So there's two questions, <laughs> thank you. So to answer your first question, Yes, I think it matters, and you are bound by the agreement of the parties that there was an arrest. And I think that's true for two reasons. First, because this is a stipulated facts proceeding, and so on a stipulated facts proceeding, the parties all agree that based on the facts that they've stipulated to, the issue is dispositive. So if this court determines that the that the question presented to the district court, that is the question, the first question presented to this court, is no, the officer was not authorized to arrest him under Minnesota statutes, and the, the facts are the way that the parties stipulated them, then his conviction should be reversed. The second is that I, I think you're bound by that because I think the state waived the ability to make that argument at the Supreme Court because in, in a variety of ways. One, because they did so at, at the podium. Two, because they did so at the Court of Appeals. And three, because they did so at the district court. So that, that determination... Um, should, should bind, uh, the outcome for Mr. Thompson. Um, second, I think the totality of the circumstances do support that this is an arrest, that, that the facts constitute an arrest legally anyway. Um, it, it may or may not be, uh, be acceptable to put someone in the back seat of a squad car in order to move them 30 to 40 minutes there there is a lot of discussion in the federal cases about that on uh indian reservations because of the distance sometimes involved um but that's not the case when accompanied by the other circumstances that occurred here i.e that he was read a miranda warning that indicates that there was an arrest being made and there and it's state v rossi it says that, that it, that's one of those factors that really in combination should give you a heads up that this is an arrest.
6: Council, the whole point of suppressing um, Mm -hmm. the fruit of the poisonous tree, of course, is at its root linked to misconduct by, um, and I mean misconduct in the legal sense here, not necessarily personally, but misconduct by police officers. Um, Here we don't have any misconduct by a licensed uh, Minnesota police officer. Isn't this a good case for... Uh, I don't know if expansion is the right word or for application of the good faith exception rule here?
0: Um, no. First, I don't believe the state has ever made that argument up until this point, and I think it would be a new rule of law that hasn't been in effect previously. Um, Second, I, I think that that same circumstances are what happened in Hester, as in because the Lower Sioux officer was did not meet the statutory requirements. They were not a state actor either, and the arrest was invalid and and determined to and and sent back. And so, the other thing is, I think the purposes of the exclusionary rule are met here, which is that which is that it cannot be the case that not, that. That Mr. Thompson is arrested, and then and then we just say that that's okay because there are other mechanisms to get there by other state actors because Beltrami County is working in conjunction with Red Lake. They have the authority to do so. They don't seem to be doing so pursuant to a cooperative agreement, which is how they should be doing so. And Red Lake has made an active decision not to have that had to have that cooperative agreement. And so, you know, they're. There isn't a reason why there should be an exception when, when the officer, when Officer Bendel has procedures in place that were not followed. I.e., there was no notice of exclusion that was given. At least, there's not one in the record that that there are that there is federal case law that talks about what it is the right to exclusion is, and it does not include the right to arrest someone for violation of Minnesota state law.
2: Can I um, come back to the question of who has authority mm-hmm. uh, to? over the DWI here, so in McBratney, the Supreme Court said over 100 years ago that non-member versus non-member is subject to state jurisdiction, mm-hmm. crimes that either are conducted by, by an Indian or against an Indian are, sub, are subject to federal jurisdiction, mm-hmm. and then Public Law 280, which you say changes the law, but that only deals, I mean, the statute itself says it's offenses committed by or against Indians. are turned over from the federal government to the state government. So the pre-existing McBratney law, 280 doesn't even affect. That's just about where Indians are involved. But non-member to non-member McBratney still applies. So I don't don't understand your your argument about why state law doesn't apply
0: here. So I I think that state law doesn't apply here because we are not contesting that if officer we are not contesting that if Officer Bendel had done what he was supposed to do, i.e., only conduct an investigation and and properly exclude someone via the notice of exclusion and and, and not have arrested Mr. Thompson, that that that, could, that he could be prosecuted under state law regardless of there isn't there isn't any sort of record determination of where Mr. Thompson was driving or anything like that or whether it extended beyond the reservation so, grounds.
2: Okay, thank you. That's helpful. So if if um, go ahead if you want to follow up on that.
4: Well, counsel, it seems to me that you've got a fundamental problem with your argument. Mm-hmm. You're saying the officer didn't have authority to arrest, mm-hmm. and let's assume he did an arrest. It's, it look, sure looks like one. Mm-hmm. Then you want to exclude the evidence based on the improper arrest. Mm-hmm. But it's not the state doing the arresting i think that was the the essence of justice anderson's question so give us a case and I, i guess i'm going to repeat my question from the first time around give us a case where you've got someone not arrested by the state but arrested by somebody else where you still suppress the evidence based on an illegal arrest in the other jurisdiction
0: So that is so that is the line of citizens arrest citizens arrest cases, and I can point you to State versus Telescore, which is four hundred and eighty-eight Northwest Second, three hundred and twenty-seven, which was reversed on other grounds by four hundred and ninety-one Northwest Second, eight hundred and ninety-three. So it's a court of
4: appeals case. That's a court of appeals case. Is the holding of that case that an improper citizens arrest leads to suppression of of the
0: evidence? Um, it, It that if there's illegal conduct, yes, and then State versus. Philippi, which is 297, Northwest 2nd, 275, Minnesota, 1980, says that, talks about what type of police authority is necessary in order to constitute a citizen's arrest. And that in that situation, um, uh, and, and the other... The other case, case that the state cited in the court of appeals is State versus Horner, and those that line of cases talks about when even when it's not a state actor, if they are purporting to act under the color of state law, and, and yeah, but this officer
4: wasn't purporting to act under the color of state law, was he?
0: Yes, that is what he told. That that's in the police report. He says that he was acting for that he wanted. A, he arrested him for violations of Minnesota state DWI law. So he wasn't being investigated for violations of federal law or violations of tribal law. He was being investigated for violations of Minnesota state law.
4: Yeah, but under the Red Lake Code, the officer can do that. And because it would be, it's a non-Indian doing what Indians would constitute a violation of law. So you can arrest for the purpose of exclusion. Is there any evidence that he wasn't arresting for any purpose other than exclusion?
0: I don't believe you can arrest for purposes of exclusion. The Red because, Lake Code
4: says you can.
0: Right, but Red Lake Code for non-members is subject to Minnesota statutory and federal statutory requirements, too. That is a necessary but not sufficient condition for the arrest.
2: So, if he um, if Officer Bendell had not given a Miranda warning, so given less assistance to Mr. Thompson, and had not handcuffed him, I mean, are there any circumstances under which Mr. Ben, Officer Bendell could have detained him put him in his police car and driven him to the
0: to the yes. county line yes there what, are it, the be? line is whether an arrest has been affected and in this circumstance i think the circumstances in the stipulation indicate and, that that's the case but if if he circums- hadn't read him the miranda warning if he hadn't if if his arrest and use of handcuffs had not had been pursuant to an investigation rather than just to transport him to another after an arrest then then yes that would have been acceptable
1: Thank you, Council. Thank you. Thanks to both counsel for the help you provided to the court in this case. This matter is submitted. We'll issue an opinion in due course. We're in recess.